Hello, Fast Family, and welcome to Quarter Mile at a Time, a Fast and Furious podcast. The only podcast where Papa Dwight wants you to take off your shoes. Dwight loves feet. <sighs> I'm Nick Lathan. <laughs> I'm Rich Camelucci. Oh, Dwight. That guy looks like... Dwight. Dude, that motherfucker looked like... He, he kept looking like a character in a Final Fantasy game. That's what he reminded me of. He was Irvin <laughs> from Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, man. This, wait, wait, this week we're talking about Fast and Furious. <laughs> Damn right we are. Oh, uh, this movie... Oh, my God. This movie uh, was a long time coming, mainly because Tokyo Drift lasted so long. Uh, <laughs> but I'm so glad we got to this movie, and we're bringing the band back together. There's so much to talk about and we need to start with what happens before this movie you talking about los bandoleros i'm talking about los bandoleros oh my goodness dude i so for those who don't know (laughs) los bandoleros is a short film written and directed by vin diesel this is a vin diesel joint is vin diesel joint uh (laughs) It is a uh, uh, it is the short film that takes place uh, before the events of Fast and Furious, and after the events of where in the timeline is this, Nick? I don't know. So it it it, it takes place almost immediately before this movie, Fast and Furious. All right, and it must take place. At least after one, if not two. Let's but talk about the definitely time. Definitely before three. Let's talk about the timeline because okay, the timeline is fucked even further when it comes to this movie. Yes, it is. Let me tell you. All right, so Fast and Furious came out in 2001. 2003, we got Too Fast, Too Furious. And then we got Tokyo Drift, which stars Han, who was in all the movies up until... Uh, he dies at the end of Fast and Furious 6, spoiler alert, quote-unquote, and then he dies in Tokyo Drift. But we see his death in a post credit scene in Fast and Furious 6. So, and Furious 7 takes place, that's 2015, right? I believe so. Let me check my notes. Uh, yes, it is 2015. Furious 7 is 2015. And in that movie, Dom gets Han stuff from Sean. So, that means Tokyo Drift takes place in 2015. This movie takes place in... Fast and Furious takes place in 2006. Yes. Because I believe it was Mia that says five years ago? Yes, in 2001. So, this movie, which came out in 2009, takes place in 2006. Now, this goes back to a conversation we had in the Fast and the Furious episode. Is that necessarily 2001 that that movie takes place in? I mean, could it be 2008 or 1998? Excuse me. Oh, could it be in 2004? I I mean, with the technology they have, um, because they're not playing a PlayStation Two, they're playing a PlayStation, and they have like they have like VCRs built in. I mean, I know we had multiple DVD players by 2004. I you know, look, man, like. (laughs) <laughs> Who's to say, like, you spend so much money on your car, 
Maybe you don't have as much money to, to spend on things like PlayStation 2s or whatever. There's... You have to buy, you know, from from Babbage's or Electronics Boutique, a used PlayStation. You don't think that when they're stealing all this stuff in the first movie, they're not also stealing PlayStation 2s? You know Vince stole him a PlayStation 2. Then where was that in the police report? No, nowhere. It was specifically DVD players, Nick. And camcorders, I think. Or was it digital cameras? I forget what. It, it was two things they kept yeah, saying. Digital over. cameras was The Wire Season 2. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Ziggy was very good with technology. <laughs> they, the, oh, no, in the first movie, they kept saying two specific things. It was DVD players and something else. And Yokohama tires. And cappuccinos. I eat big old fat girl. Uh, so, yeah, this movie takes place, in my mind, 2006. Fast and Furious is not a future movie, or The Fast and the Furious is not a future movie. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I think there's, the same way there is with, like, political polling, there's a margin of error here. I'm a, I'm gonna bring up my evidence as to why this movie takes place in 2006. Okay. They're all using flip phones, okay? Brian, is, who's an FBI agent, using a flip phone. Yeah. When did the first iPhone come out? People have smartphones at this point. I I was still using a flip phone at that time. Well, yeah, me too, because we were probably both broke as fuck. But well, people... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much the FBI pays, but also, if anything, a flip phone is also just as unbelievable as an iPhone. If anything, he should have been using a, blue, a blueberry. A blackberry, sorry. I, that's how irrelevant those phones are these days. That I was like... <laughs> I had some sort of berry. I know that. He should have been talking on a strawberry. <laughs> Let me tell you about my, my buddy Trent. He had a Blackberry Pearl for years. He loved that <laughs> phone. People loved that fucking phone, man. He he had a Blackberry Pearl, and he loved the shit out of it. And um, somebody one time was like talking about like people with Blackberries are a bit more business people, and people with iPhones want to have more fun. There was like a study mm-hmm. that came out. And then Trent, then somebody, somebody looked at Trent and like told him that, and Trent just looked at him dead in their eyes. He goes, "I'm all business." <laughs> I can't be having fun on my phone. Uh, I think there's a margin of error that that these all of these movies could take place in a six year span. Not like not. They're, they're all within six years, but, like, it could go three years either way. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, we start getting into some, I mean, first of all, this movie did not bring back, uh, they could have used it multiple times, the the EMP gun. Right. There's that. And also, like, I've, I have a feeling that the technology that's coming up in the series is is well beyond where we are now. Yeah, so this is like, this is we got some Iron Man style technology in the Fast and Furious movies coming yeah. up. If we're trying to like place this in time due to like their phones and the tech that they're using, I feel like that might be a fool's errand. I, don't know. I just know this movie takes place in 2006 in my in my mind. That's fine. That's but fine. let's let's get back to the short film, which was 20 minutes, and I was not prepared for that. I I could have gone 20 more. It, it was, did not feel maybe the expectations you set by saying it was twenty minutes. I was like expecting something that was going to feel longer. It it was a literal and figurative breeze. It was it was actually it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, dude. I straight up loved it. It was great. 
I think that Vin Diesel has some good filmmaking instincts. Like, yes, there there was the the occasional unnecessary slow zoom here and there, but beyond that, I thought that it was very well directed, and it wasn't like it it didn't feel like a, a, a it didn't have the trappings of a Fast and Furious movie. It was just a nice little slice of life relationship mm-hmm. piece. It was like it was. To be honest, it was just really nice. He made a indie indie character piece. Yeah. <laughs> can can we please get Vin Diesel in a room with the Duplass brothers, please? Can can Vin Diesel make a literal mumblecore movie? Can we do like this needs to be another spin-off is like the Fast and Furious presents Dom on the farm. And it's just Dom Letty and the kid Brian on the farm before F9 just having a Having a, you know, I need that short film is what I'm saying. I would truly, truly invest in and cherish short films of the same vibe in between every single installment. I'm going to tell you this much. I mean, he's obviously a visionary because I've never seen two people make out on a kayak before. No, that was, (laughs) I mean, and you know what? It It showed them falling off of the kayak as well, but also like... Yeah, so it embraced the failures, but it also, you know, on your way to the successes. And, and yeah, that's that seemed very uh, difficult to do. He also, so it takes place uh, where Fast and Furious, the movie, begins uh, in the Dominican Republic. And I'll tell you, man, like, he really captured uh, the DR, like, really well. Like, you know... In in Fast and Furious, they they might as well just be in any sort of mm-hmm. subtropical location or anything like that. But in Los Bandoleros, like shit works. It actually had personality. Yeah, it was a character in the short film. <laughs> yeah, something I really uh, uh, I don't know really enjoyed about this because like I never noticed about Han, but he's from like in Tokyo Drift. You just assume he's a guy from. Like from to- like you know from Japan or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the way they made it seem like. But Han is he's from the U.S. He said I've never been east of the Atlantic. Yeah, and and it, it, what happens is the uh, well, this happens in in Fast and Furious is the first teasing of going to Tokyo uh, from Han, which yes. will happen in like <laughs> every movie after that until uh, the end of six. Yeah. Um, and you could also tell that it was, uh, you know, in my head, I'm just going to say this was funded directly out of Vin Diesel's pocket. And you could tell because it didn't have the uh, Corona underwriting uh, <laughs> because they were drinking El Presidente's the whole time. Really? I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. Well, then. And this is also you get introduced to like, all, you, so you get introduced to Han. uh Chronologically, in this mm-hmm. chronologically, this is the first appearance of Han, uh, and then um, the, who are the other two guys' names? Fucking Don Omar and uh, Santos. Yeah, Don Omar is the actor, but um, yeah, those guys. And the other guy, he who his character name and his act, the actor's first name were the same. Oh, <laughs> so I feel like that that character was written for him. Yeah. 
But yeah, this whole movie was just uh short film was just a setup to like the heist, you know, like you know, we're getting the band together before this heist that we pull off at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I just I just I just wanted to really just share my appreciation for I just looked this well, up. Sun Kang is from Gainesville, Georgia. Who? What? Sun Kang, who plays Han, he's from Georgia. Yeah. I did not know that. Really? You yeah. said Gainesville, Georgia? He's from Gainesville, Georgia. He's from the same town as AJ Styles, the phenomenal one. <laughs> Man, we need to do a podcast, which we just we just go through his filmography. Oh, yeah? I said it last episode. The man's pretty. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anything else on, are we ready to, to <laughs> officially move into Fast and Furious? I mean, the only thing that kind of caught me off guard was that the fact that, um, Letty's introduction, when she walks in and like doms with all these women, and I'm like, wait a minute, they, what, what happened? What happened? What? They aren't together? What's going on? Well, I guess they got over that. Huh? He, uh, you know, he was... Because you said at the in the post credit sequence of Fast and Furious, she wasn't there. Surprised, Letty wasn't with Dom as mm-hmm. he was in Mexico. Where was he? He was in Baja, Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she she tracked his ass down. And I also just love like her approach to the entire dynamic and relationship with Dom of just like, hey, I'm here now. Fucking knock it off. Yeah, that's really funny. And I'm gonna make you wreck while I try to make out with you in this car. He's a he's a skilled driver. He was fine. He had it the whole time. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into the actual movie, Fast and Furious. I enjoyed it a lot. That's all I got to say. End of episode. Every single time I watch this movie, I gain more and more of an appreciation for it. And then I re- I remember and I recall that it's the lowest. Rated movie in the series, and I get enraged. Yeah, it has a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's Justin Lin's first uh, foray into the franchise. Huh? And, uh-huh. He directed Tokyo Drift, my dude. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's Justin Lin's first foray into the franchise. His first uh, proper... I don't know what you're talking about. This is his first full-on Fast and Furious movie he directed. Sorry, I just hit my mic. This movie has the same budget as Tokyo Drift, and it really? looks so much better. Yeah, this I got this. This movie looked, it looked great. Yeah. And everyone's acting is so much better. Like, it's such an improved movie yeah and also like all like even with all that being said actually no in addition to all that so like uh, a sort of one of my thesis statements in the beginning of this show in the beginning of this series was that fast and furious doesn't do anything original they just take things that have already been done and they improve upon it and not only do they do that here but they do that with things from their own previous movies Mm mm-hmm like with having to win the race to get into the gang or whatever. That's, you know, from fucking Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why when we watched Too Fast, Too Furious, I I remember the muscle car race 
For some mm-hmm. reason, my brain thought that that was in this movie. Also, for some reason, I feel like my because my brain misremembered something. Uh, I remember us going back and forth on when Vince comes back, and I can't remember which one it was, but I feel like I was adamant about him being back in this one when it's clear he's back in Fast Five. Is he? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. the The two movies that I did I don't remember the most are this one and Fast and Furious Six. And I don't remember and him being in Fast Five. I feel like that's fair, but he. I so I had to look it up. He is definitely in Fast Five. Okay. Um, but I, for I thought it was this one. Also, but what does return in this movie is this right here. You're drinking a Corona Light. No, it's a Corona Extra. Oh wait, let me but see it's that. The, uh, limited edition. Oh okay. Extra. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Yeah. And that was kind of fuzzy I'm on the screen. Holding it in the traditional Dom fashion. Yes. <laughs> Uh, do you want to go By into the some... neck as he, though he's trying to choke someone out that uh, killed his dad, dude? I need to fucking while I'm thinking about it. There, the I'm skipping to the fucking towards the end of the movie before sure. we go, but I have to. Yeah, the part where uh, it's Brian, Dom, and Mia eating together, eating the Chinese food in mm-hmm. Dom's lair, <laughs> his bat cave, or whatever, at the oil derrick. Uh, of course, Dom reaches, breaks his own rule, and he reaches first and has to say mm-hmm. grace. But the, the way he does it was he goes for his beer. They cut to Mia, and she says, oh, you're breaking your own rule. And then he, Dom reluctantly is like, yeah, I know, and then like starts to say grace. They cut back to the master shot. That, that, the foam on that fucking corona is yes. the entire neck. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that as well. <laughs> It was like as if he slammed that shit down. It was like a take where he slammed it down at him, like being pissed off at himself that he has to say grace. Just being like super passive aggressive towards yeah. me. Like, oh, you broke your own rule. I guess I did. <laughs> Just fucking knocks the bottle. Oh, God. Oh, that shit made me laugh. Oh, man. Do you want to go over some stats before we get into the movie proper? Hit me with the stats. All right. So, uh, yeah, Justin Lin, same budget, $85 million. Gross three hundred sixty million, twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is fucking bullshit. A six point six on IMDb. Always trust IMDb, except for when it comes to Too Fast, Too Furious. For some reason, it's 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 scored lower than Tokyo Drift. I don't know why. <sighs> Metacritic score forty six. All right, let's go some box office numbers. This movie came 2009, out two thousand nine. By the way, this movie comes out in two thousand nine, which I. If I had to put a date on this without, like, knowing ahead of time, I would have said at least, like, just based on, like, the way it looks. 2006? And the styles and everything. No, I would have gone 2011. You know what? Yeah. I was thinking 2010, maybe. Yeah. A year later. No, 2011, we got Fast Five. So, April 3rd, 2009 is when this came out. The box office that w- that week was, number one was Fast and Furious. Number two it was, like, was how much did it make? It made like seventy five million, right? I, I don't have that number. Okay, no worries. Take my word for it. Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens was number two. <laughs> number three was Haunting in Connecticut. Number four was Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. Wow. Number five was I Love You, Man, a movie I saw in the theater. Number six was Adventureland. Number seven, oh. Duplicity. Number eight. Future star of the franchise, Dwayne Johnson, starring in Race to Witch Mountain. 
<laughs> number nine was 12 rounds. And then number 10, John Cena, Sunshine. future star in Fast and Furious. That's John Cena, right? 12 rounds, yes, sir. And then number 10 was Sunshine Queening. Do you want to know what movie overtook this movie at the box office the following uh, week? I do, but I also would just like to uh, appreciate Adventureland real quick. Um, good movie. Darn good movie. I uh, <laughs> Some friends of mine thought it'd be fun to watch Twilight over Zoom since we're on quarantine right now. Mm-hmm. And I watched Twilight for the first time this week. And uh, I was prepared for how bad it was, but it, and it was somehow worse. Uh, that's really funny that you mentioned that. So my roommate is currently going through watching all of uh, the Twilight movies with her boyfriend uh, just because they're so bad. But they, again, also were not prepared for how bad they were. Uh, two, it's kind of crazy how um, well so many of those actors in those movies came out of those movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not just like career wise, but like performance wise as well uh like and then three so i went to go see the original twilight in theaters with my buddy brandon warns uh because like under the pretense of like well we gotta see it to know how to make fun of it you know (laughs) (laughs) duh because we're you know comedians and uh and again yeah very similar to your experience we were just not prepared for how bad that movie was gonna be dude it's i don't know it's bad in every way there's a the character alice i think that's her name in the movie she has like this really weird haircut weird style clothing she dates the butcher oh my god but just looking at her if you looked at her you'd be like yeah this movie takes place in 2008 she has the most 2008 (laughs) look i've ever seen in my life but yeah like Kristen stewart robert pattinson great actors now Uh, I feel like Anna Kendrick was the first one to kind of like break out of the Twilight sort of break out and totally forget she was in these movies. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Michael Sheen. My roommate Liz and I were talking the other day. He's the Michael Sheen is the only person who that knows the movies that he's in. Yeah. Like he and he is just hungry for that scenery because he is chewing it the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that fucking movie. All right, so back to Fast and Furious. Uh, the movie was overtaken. Sorry, Fast and Furious New Moon. Yeah. This movie was overtaken in the box office by Hannah Montana, the movie. Well, you know, hey, man. That's Still in my, made a shit ton of money. That's in my stats. All right. Um, opening heist of this movie. Pretty dope. Very good. Even though they lifted it from the original Mad Max. So they took something and improved upon it. Uh, there was also a shot later in the movie that had also big Mad Max vibes where this all movie, the cars are in the daylight, in the desert, just on their way to the mountain and heavy Mad Max vibes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Mad Max shit in this movie just because like part of it takes place in the desert. And then, yeah, like there's actually a truck heist, like gas heist in Mad Max, but it's not as uh, extravagant as this one. This one is just some dudes on motorcycles jumping on top of an oil tanker and siphoning gas and then fueling yeah. up their motorcycles. Uh, I, also, what kind of social commentary is that uh, that it will invoke uh, in your memory Mad Max? But Mad Max is a movie that takes place in a dystopian future uh, where 
you have to do those type of things for gas where that's just the state of being in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Uh, wake up, motherfuckers. <laughs> I thought you're about to go into like a, a Dennis Hopper style rant. <laughs> don't you know? I don't know. I, there's no, there's no, no one has a Dennis Hopper impression. Don't try and make me fucking do that. Nobody does. Why did yeah. I walk into that? I don't know. I try to do one every time because somehow I've like watched so many Dennis Hopper movies during quarantine, and which I always make the same joke: Dennis Hopper is playing himself. Especially whenever we're watching uh, Super Mario Brothers, starring Dennis Hopper as himself. Uh, that is that's recently been on the that's been put onto the list of movies that uh, Charlie and I need to watch. Um, here, here we go. Here's a Dennis Hopper impression. Uh, pop quiz, hot shot. There you go. There we go. Uh, so this, this tanker, this tanker heist, it's like, it's pretty cool. We got some cool J turns with the tow trucks, like towing up to mm-hmm. the back of the trucks. Yes. But the big, the big set piece, of course, is that, that is tanker, the iguana. the iguana as well, who is a, <laughs> a, 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 a needy bitch. Is that what the dude called the iguana? <laughs> yeah, a needy no, bitch. Like, damn, don't be disrespected the iguana like that. He loves that iguana so much. It's the hood ornament on his truck. Hell yeah. Look, that's called an aesthetic. That's called having an aesthetic. Yeah. You know, like he's to his friends, he's the iguana guy. <laughs> what is iguana, iguana Joe? That's his real name. That's what he goes by. <laughs> Here comes iguana Joe. But the, yeah, the, I think the best part of this whole sequence is, of course, Dom racing against that, uh, <laughs> that rolling tanker, which it's evidence that Dom played a lot of PS1 growing up because. That's a, that's a move straight out of the first Crash Bandicoot, Rich. <laughs> you got a barrel coming at you, and you got to watch it hit the ground to know when to go. That's Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, and what? And where did he play that PS One in Edwin's car <laughs> in two thousand and four? No, it was. God damn it! All right. <laughs> oh man. I Sorry. Love- <laughs> I love the, uh, I did not notice this the first two times I watched this movie, but I definitely noticed it this time. They're having a gasoline party <laughs> after they. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you think the song gasoline is about? Uh, that party looked uh, lit, except please do not light anything. No, no don't do the that. The entire place will blow up. Oh my God. Uh, and at that party, I feel like there's a lot of seeds being sown in that party, uh, in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So you got Han talking about, uh, uh, Tokyo. Um, he mentions that their garage, uh, and I forget the specific town, but it's in Cuba, uh, got raided by the cops where, so that's eventually where Vin goes or fucking Dom goes, uh, at the beginning of eight. Oh Yeah. Um, and then, uh, when he's talking with Letty, uh, on the most well-lit, uh, rocks away from the party, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in history, uh, and Letty says that she hears that, uh, Rio is pretty nice, which is where they eventually also do find themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't they go there in fate? No, they're in, they're in Brazil in Fast Five. I haven't seen Fast Five since it came out, so it's been a Ooh, while. Ooh, dog. I'm excited. Yes. 
Uh, yeah. It just cracks me up that he leaves her two things when he, like, you know, goes off because he's like, I don't want anybody to be around me when I get caught. Mm-hmm. And then he just leaves her a necklace and a stack of cash. Not just any necklace. I know. It's it's the it's the signature Dominic Toretto crucifix. Does this one have a tracking device in it? No, not yet. Okay. Uh but yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's the least you could do if, if you have to walk out on somebody in the middle of the night. Like, I'm not a man of many means by any means. Uh, but I am king of the road. Uh <laughs> but <the> fuck? <laughs> Sorry, like uh, halfway through saying that, I'm just like, what song is that from? Oh, yeah, King of the Road. Um, it's like when I randomly uh, talk about all the places I've been, I just go, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> but yeah, man, you gotta, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. I just, um, all I got to say is, I want Vin Diesel to leave me because I need a lot of cash right now. That's true. I, that's <laughs> that's the stimulus check I need. <laughs> I need, I need to be abandoned in uh, Dominican Republic by Vin Diesel. <laughs> so we cut to L.A. after this. Now, how, how far of a time jump do you think this is? Because I don't it's, think it's, it's that far of a time jump. But Well, actually. Because Letty's undercover. Yeah. Dom's in Panama. Man. That. That. Complicates things. I mean, like, not really, but also just, like, it, it just throws some more wrenches into this what the timeline <laughs> so could be. Yeah. Motherfucker. So like, let's say the beginning of this movie takes place in 2005, and this takes place in 2006. Because also, like, how long was it in between Too Fast and Furious and now that it took Brian to get reinstated? Not just... Not just... <clears throat> Like, back into law enforcement, but like, because he wasn't ever in in the FBI. No, he was like he was an LAPD. Yeah, right. But now he is an FBI agent. This some bitch has been to Quantico. <laughs> uh, so like, oh man, <sighs> I'm sure they've been like. The pro- I'm sure the producers have been asked about this. Like, there's got to be answers out there to all this. I don't know. I don't think anybody's gone in-depth as us with the Fast and Furious franchise with this fucking timeline. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they, uh, that foot chase, first of all, is very, very cool, but it also reminds me of the foot chase from Point Break because any foot chase reminds me of the foot chase from Point Break. Yeah. You know? Like I said, they improve upon it. Ah, um, ah, well, ah, eh, I mean, ah, they do it. They change music cues three times during this foot chase. I don't know if you noticed that. Of course they do, because that's what they do. Oh, man. But yeah, no, this. All right. The top three foot chases, in my opinion, in okay. film history. Number one with a bullet point break. Mm-hmm. Number two, Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Number three. Baby Driver, that foot chase of the mall, dope. Oh, yeah. Number four is No Country for Old Men, which is basically just a serious version of the car chase from Raising Arizona also. <laughs> but and both of them were directed by the Coen brothers. <laughs> That's about it. And then, I guess, let's just say Fast and Furious is number five. 
There you go. I'm sure, there's, out. I'm sure there's better foot chases. I need to find a list of foot chasing films, but top three, definitely the top three. Those are great. Um, I feel like there's a foot chase in Fast Five that's also very good. Does this involve we'll Dwayne Johnson tackling people through walls? What's that? Does Dwayne Johnson go through a wall at some point? Oh, fuck. I take that back. Number number three is Casino Royale's foot chase in the beginning mm. of it. And then number four is Baby Driver. Okay. All right. I'm glad we settled this on the air. I'm very glad that we found closure <laughs> on this topic. Uh, what was uh, this? So, yeah. So, we're at the, the L.A. FBI headquarters. And who do we see here? But a fellow FBI agent, played by Shea Wiggum. Why is he not in more Fast films? Uh, why is he not in more everything? I love Shea Wiggum. I think he's such a good character actor. Anytime he pops up in something, I feel like I see an old friend. You watch Homecoming? Homecoming. Is on Amazon Prime. Oh, no. Julia I, Roberts? I don't watch any TV shows on Prime. Uh, check out Homecoming. It's very good. Episodes are like 25 minutes. And Shay Wiggum's like a, a a a principal character. Huh? Is he a principal? Yeah. No, he's a he's a um. Oh God, uh, he's a government agent of some sort, but like more like a a, paper, a pencil pushing. Oh shit! Agent. More of a reason for me to watch uh, Perry Mason. He's in Perry Mason. I forgot about that. Yes, he is in Perry Mason. That's on my list. Does he have a contract with HBO? That's what I want to know. Like HBO. What else is he on, on HBO? Huh? What else was he in on HBO? Uh, True Detective season one. He's in uh, Vice Principals. Really? Yeah, he's in. Um, of course, he's in Boardwalk Empire. That's the first thing I saw him in. He's in Look, Perry man, Mason. You know, once you're in the HBO family, like you get cast in all that shit. Like, they, they, dude, they, they, they love dipping back in. Yeah, Chris Bauer was in multiple HBO shows. Uh, Aiden Gillen between The Wire and, and Game of Thrones. Like that's all you need. The entire cast of uh, Deadwood is in every single HBO show, I, I feel like. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Shea Wiggum is just awesome. He's great. And uh, yeah, I really, really, really wouldn't be upset if he were in more Fast and Furious films. I'm looking at his IMDb now. He's in the next two Mission Impossible movies. So, Rich, really? you need to watch Mission Impossible just so you can see Shea Wiggum in 7 and 8. Is he uh, cast as Jeremy Renner's younger brother? <laughs> I hope so. They dropped Jeremy Renner from that franchise and didn't explain it, and it cracks me up. He's in two <laughs> movies, and that's it. Uh, they flip Jeremy Renner like Jeremy Renner flips houses. <laughs> what? He's, he flips houses. He does that? Yeah. He's an actor. He's a fucking a phenomenal musician, and he flips houses. My goodness. But, uh, yeah, I just love Shea Wiggum, is all I gotta say. He was in Vice? Hmm. Gus Grissom. But, uh, he's bleeding on my floor. Nothing? It was a line. Okay, so after Brian, uh, lets Mia out. Uh, from questioning and they go to like a diner or whatever and, and Brian comes back to headquarters and Shea Wiggum is just like Stasiak is like if you ever t- 
touch another one of my, or, you know, talk to another one of my witnesses or whatever. And he, like, goes to, like, rough him up. And Brian yeah. just, like, fucking yeah. rams his head into the goddamn marble wall. I remember that part. Five times. Probably concussed him. Broke his nose. <laughs> and then when their boss came around, he's just like, you're bleeding on my floor. Uh, I don't remember that line. What I remember, uh, this... This little bit of, because uh, you know these guys in these movies have these clauses in their contracts in which they can't look like they're getting their ass kicked too much. I I'm familiar with that, but although I do feel like this is this movie took place before that era really came. In. Well, this this is this is what they're that's what it reminded me of. But so Shea Wiggum gets his head beaten to a marble wall, broken nose, cuts on his head, everything. Okay, like the very next scene. Later in the movie, Dom beats the fuck out of Brian. No bruises on Brian's no, face. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, like, not a mark. Oh, the only thing that he's got a little bit of blood coming out of his nose, and he wipes that off, and he's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, if Vin Diesel beat the fuck out of me, I would be in traction right now. Like, <laughs> he, and yeah, it wasn't just kind of like, oh, it was like maybe 60 40. Dom was like up in that fight. It's like, no, Dom was beating the shit out of Brian. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Which, by the way, in that scene, I thought that was really well done. I thought that was very clever The, the with the cell phone reveal. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. That was a very, very good scene. I mean, this movie is not a 28% of Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what the fuck people were talking about. It's really not. It's so fucking good, man. I just want them to re-release it so critics are forced to reckon with this again. Yeah. This is a good, like, we're resetting everything. Yeah. We're getting everything. We're getting the band back together. We're, we're getting back on good terms. Mm-hmm. What a... In the... Uh, so, after the movie, I watched uh, the gag reel, as you gave me a heads up. Was on the the Blu-ray. By the way, two of them gags were funny. Rest of them... No, but I do love the way that it started with just Vin, just like with the goofiest ass smile. Vin Diesel seems like a goofball, and <laughs> I'm here for it. I mean, you know, he's the guy that... He's, he's Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's got to be a goofball. Yeah, he's a goofball. <laughs> he's a Groot-ball. Hey. He, uh... Uh, and and then I watched um, the little featurette on the Blu-ray um, about basically getting the the gang back together. And like normally those you know DVD featurette interviews on the set type of things are like all the actors just kind of like bullshit about how how good a time it is to be on set or like how good it is to be back together and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But the way that. Vin Diesel, like, talks about these characters is with such, like, a sense of reverence and and actual, like, care for these these characters that's, uh, that's, you know, it it really kind of catches you off guard with his sincerity. Yeah. It's, It's really, really nice. Like, I already liked Vin Diesel, but I feel like by the end of this, I'm going to just be like a full on, like Vin Diesel lobbyist or some shit. Like it's, he is, he just seems like such a good, 
dude. Let let him make some indie spinoffs. Yes. <laughs> Please. Can can we get Vin Diesel a a a, a damn a development deal with A24 or Neon or somebody, please? Can we get Vin Diesel in a Bong Joon-ho film? Man. Right? Yeah. Bong Hive, activate. <laughs> By the way, uh, I, I uh, and only in recent days have realized how much Parasite fucked me up when it comes to thinking people are in my house. Oh, no. Because that's all I think now. If people are in my fucking house. <laughs> it's horrible. Do you have a lot of places for people to be hiding in your house? Not really. I mean, we don't have a hidden basement like in like in Parasite, spoiler right. alert. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, I really want to get to this topic. Okay. Uh, first of all, I looked up where the Toretto house was, not far from Dodger Stadium. That's cool. I man, so I've never been out to LA, but that, that I definitely have to put that on the uh, the list of places to visit. Something I noticed that Google does is for famous houses on Street View is that it blurs them out. Hmm. That house is blurred out. The Home Alone house is blurred out. Yeah, I added it to my uh, my LA list as well. It's, uh, it's one it's of those far- things where it's just like if you want to see this, you're gonna have to pay for it yeah. in the movies <laughs> or drive here. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's a little fun fact. I want to talk about v- Dom pulling a Batman and investigating that fucking crash site and reconstructing he, it. He goes straight <laughs> up into detective mode <laughs> in like a really cool sequence. There were burn marks on the ground, the kind that can only be caused by nitro meth. Nitro meth. Like I'm, I'm, I was expecting him to like fire up the Batmobile and drive out of there right after he said that line. He does. Dom's Dodge Charger is the Batmobile. It's it's straight up. That is his fucking Batmobile. What was he? He was mostly driving a red car in this movie. Was it a? He was mostly driving an SS Chevelle. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I had my tech specs on the Blu-ray. Uh, they were a lot less fun this time around because they didn't tally up any damage totals. Uh, but it did give you a lot of details about the cars that were being driven. I uh, in a much bigger window, and it took up. A lot of the frame. I wanted to sidetrack real quick and talk about how horrible Universal Pictures Blu-rays are. I yeah, love Universal. Great. Their Blu-rays are all the fucking same. It is the template they use, and they're all the same, and it bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like fucking RoboCop's walking in the room whenever I fucking change the menu. It's weird. Like, I don't get why they... I guess it's to save money, but, like, be like Warner Brothers, man. Have it be crazy. I want to feel like I'm in the Batcave when I'm watching Batman. You know? Like, shit like that. That's what I want my Warner Brothers is known for their crazy Blu-ray menus. Fox, 20th Century Fox, back before Disney bought them, had some crazy-ass menus. I remember that much. I remember Fox... You remember the Fox's, uh, coming... Like, their Fox DVD cut, like experience and then like they had like this crazy ass like they showed you what the fuck a dvd like this is back this is back when dvds first came out like load up x-men and watch that fucking dvd because it's gonna have like i think it starts off with the are you ready for the fox dvd experience then it cuts to storm from x-men going hold on to something 
And then they go into the specs about what a look. It's on YouTube. Watch it. But it tells you what all DVDs can do. And I'm dying laughing thinking about it because it's so like corny. But like it played before every fucking Fox DVD I, pl- I had growing up. And I it's, it's burning my, ma- my brain. So, listener, uh, go watch it. That's all I gotta say. Rich, if you haven't seen it in a while, you go watch it. Uh, d- d- duly noted. <laughs> but yeah, I'm all saying I want my DVD menus to be extravagant. Back to the movie. You know, flex on them a little bit with your DVD menus. Yeah. I want a Fox DVD experience. Speaking of experience, I, I, I enjoyed the experience that was like the first half of this movie. That was like very much kind of like an L.A. modern noir mm-hmm. of them just trying to like the the whodunit aspect and trying to figure out like who killed Letty and and like who she was working for and all that stuff and the the whole Braga thing. What'd you think of Braga? What'd you think of uh, Braga as, as a villain? I this? I don't know. He was just a dude. You know what I mean? Well, that's that was part of it. You know? I don't know. He it was- presented as just like a dude. I appreciated that. Because like once there was the Braga reveal, like he did definitely get like a little more vicious. Um, and I also like that uh, he was a villain with like quips and a little bit of personality. Uh, when he was like in the in the car after that he got arrested and he was in the car with Brian, yeah, uh, and he's just like needling him, but like in kind of a funny way. I liked it. I, I thought I liked the actor. I thought he was good. He um, the actor. The actor. I liked. I liked the twist reveal that. Uh, I I I appreciated it. It didn't have to do that. Yeah, like they could have just gone with the. Straight up, like, ah, yes, here is the actual big boss cartel. Yeah. But because he was the type of cartel boss that, like, was up in the mix and, like... That was cool. I like that he was actually doing shit. Because most most time bosses aren't doing shit, but he was actually doing stuff. Uh, And he had... a a very charismatic crew around him. Like Phoenix was a good secondary like henchman, uh, which I feel like in the 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 more contemporary like Furious movies, the secondary henchmen usually played by Jamin Hansu, uh, kind of like you forget that they're even there. Yeah. Um, which sucks because it's kind of like a bit of a waste of talent. Yeah, um, that's yeah, my between, only gripe with Furious Seven is. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, between Phoenix and Giselle, uh, like you know, who obviously carries on to to the next few movies, like yeah, it was it was a very I think it's a very underrated bad crew, bad guy crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked yeah, I liked him as a villain. I just didn't like the twist, like the whole like oh he was the bad guy the entire time. Yeah, I get that. Um, like if it was like, let's say it was Shay Wiggum. Turns out Shay Wiggum's the bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if he'd be believable as like the 
the head of the cartel. I'm just saying something like that. Like somebody you don't expect, like somebody you already know, like obviously we're doing somebody we already know, but it's like, it's like, by the way, this bad guy, he's actually the bad guy. Like that's, it's stupid. Like I don't like that too much, Mm. but one could also say that the whole, Oh, the good guy is actually the bad guy thing is too played out. Yes. So, I'm saying yeah. it would be better that's, without that's the twist. That's more of like a classic double cross. Yeah. Which which does happen at one point in six? Or is it the other way around? I don't remember. Excuse me. Hmm. I'm get again, six is one that kind of kinda of like every time I watch it, I I have a newfound appreciation for it. But then it just falls back into the recesses of my yeah. memories. I I don't, I don't remember anything. I remember the only thing I remember from Fast Five, which is going to be in our episode in two weeks, is the heist at the end with the bank mm-hmm. vaults. Spoiler alert! And then that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. There's a lot in that movie. I know. Hmm. What? Uh. All right. Let's talk about the race, the GPS race. Yeah. I, Again. Very, 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 basically fully lifted from Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. I I did like the race, like the audition and all that shit. Again, also uh, lifted from themselves, like at least two people fucking died in that race. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> Including Brandon T. Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Al Pacino himself. <laughs> uh uh, possible. He was almost Beverly Hills Cop, but that never got picked up the series. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but my gripe with that, I love that race, but the fucking GPS part is corny as hell, dude. It's it's a little, it's a scotch overproduced. Yeah. Like, if I had a GPS that was that great, oh my god, this, I about, I, I, I'd let the car drive. <laughs> But I did like the uh, the bit that I did like was like one quarter mile from destination, and it's yeah. Brian and Dom. That part was, oh my god, that part was great. That part was poetry. Yeah, it was like some George Lucas style poetry. It was great. <laughs> I had you, and he did have him this time. He did. Still a buster. Still a buster. Uh, love it. Too soon. <laughs> the. Uh, this line really cracked me up where uh, they're trying to, he got the thumbprints off the shot glasses for Braga and mm-hmm. Campos, who's the same person. Um, and he gives it to his little FBI. Like, I guess, I don't know if she's like a rookie or whatever, but he's like, could you run these through like Interpol and whatnot? And she says, that means I'll have to contact each agent, each agency individually. And that can take weeks. And she's like, and I just immediately went, thanks, Brian. <laughs> Like, how much fucking work he makes her do? He, earlier in the movie, he goes through 500 David Parks. <laughs> like, he, he, he's not, not doing work himself. Can we make that a movie? He's, eating, a- uh, he's eating a freaking car dog <laughs> while going through 500 David Parks. Can 500 David Parks be one of those indie uh, spinoffs that we're going to produce? <laughs> 500 Days of Parks. Uh, I love when they're like going through the David Parks and 
like what they drive and she's like oh a toyota hybrid prius he's like definitely not that one so yeah like, come on you freaking carist <laughs> carist uh, and then she's like so and so so and so with the illegal modifiers he's like that one it's like oh, how do you know it's like because that's what i drive Brian, oh my goodness! By the way, in my brain, I kept calling him Spillner, and which made me think: Does Dom still call him Spillner? Does who? Does Dom still call? Like, I wonder if, like, because you know, Dom knew. No, him as, I'm pretty sure he says O'Connor. But like, maybe he actually. Did, I don't know. If I you mean, know like when, when, uh, so in the scene where Brian and Dom are working on the car, and then Mia comes home with the groceries. And then Brian immediately leaves to go have sex with Mia. That was. Do you think at one point, which yeah, that entire sequence is like kind of fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, but like when they're when they're getting it on, do you think that she screamed out, "Oh, Spilner"? <laughs> like you know somebody as Spilner when you first meet them. Like it's like it, it's like growing up. I knew a guy. Uh, we called him BJ because that was his initials. And then later on in our friendship, he decided. I, I'm gonna. I go by JB. Of course, we still called him BJ. Yeah. Like so, I feel like that's how it is with Brian. <laughs> that absolutely should have been his nickname within the crew. Is Spilner. Yeah, fucking Spilner. Um, something I noticed about this movie is that Nas, the energy drink, gets a lot more screen time than Nas, the fuel. Yes, but it doesn't get the name check that Corona does. It doesn't. Uh, but yeah, that was also another. <laughs> fun uh scene on the gag reel at the very end when oh when paul walker paul drinking walker, like slurps it oh that shit was great that, that, uh, that, that made it me needed laugh. a spit take but it was still good it made me laugh out loud the um something the whole driving uh run the runs they keep doing it made me it kept making me think about sicario which made me think we need a sicario fast and furious crossover i just recently bought it on Blu-ray. I've still never seen it. Oh, uh, dude, Benicio del Toro in that movie. Woo, mm-hmm. he's an operator, man. He fucking, it's great. Like Benicio del Toro should be in a fast film. I'm. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that should be in fast films, but he is definitely on that list. Like he'd be a great villain. Yeah, big time. Man, why don't we set up this typewriter and start writing on these movies? Set it up. Or, like, he's the head of another rival organization, like a rival agency, but it's like a a privatized agency. Ooh. And he's trying to recruit certain members of the team. And so that creates, like, why am I giving these free ideas away? We talking Fast and Furious Civil War? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, technically, Fast and Furious Race Wars, but. Ugh. <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, this movie kind of answers a question in my mind, and it, it sets me at ease. In uh, the Fast and the Furious, Mia is kind of, is always studying. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is she studying for? In this movie, she dresses a wound for Dom, so that makes me think Mia went to medical school. Yeah, at least veterinary school. Yeah, so maybe, because we don't know what she does for a living. Nope, we never do. Yeah, so she could be a nurse, she could be a vet. I mean, I feel like something. Yeah. 
Which that whole scene of hers. By the way, Dom is straight up leaking. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh God. Okay, so yes, I'm so glad that we're here now. So yeah, he he's like shot up in like the shoulder blade, up in like the the trape- <laughs> trapezius muscle there. Yeah. So like, it shouldn't be like dripping out and off from him. It should be like dripping down him. Yeah. And like off of his like shoes or something like that. Yeah. But also, so when they get to the the fucking safe house loft or whatever, and Mia checks the wound, and she she says, "Oh, good. There's no bullet in here, but there's no fucking exit wound." That is true. Where where did this magic bullet go? Do you think it hit Vin Diesel and just bounced off and just cut him a little bit? Must have, because of course, <laughs> in his reaction to it, when when he does get shot, he he reacts as though he is the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's only made him more mad. So we got we got Brian who cannot bruise, and then Dom whose skin cannot be penetrated. They are superheroes. They really are. <laughs> like fuck all that shit about like oh it's like superheroes, but they're you know just great with cars. It's like no, they are actual mutants. Yes. <laughs> These are these are our new mutants. <laughs> oh my goodness! Seriously, where did the fucking bullet go? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he absorbed it into his bones. I mean, bloodshot. Hello, maybe some bloodshot. Maybe nano machines took care of it. Christ. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> shit. That that whole scene. That yeah. That whole shootout and everything that whole thing like the nice with the cigarette lighter that shit was great mm-hmm. um yeah these are all really great action sequences like there's you can argue maybe like there's like three things they could just be like that they didn't pull that off or whatever to like justify giving it a bad review but like not enough there's not enough that this movie is is at worst Competent. <laughs> Real quick, when you went, when you said at, you kind of have a something in your throat. It sounded like, and you sounded just like Gollum from Lord of the Rings for a second. <laughs> Fuck, Andy Serkis should be in the, uh, these movies too. Damn it! Oh, now did, that should be a villain. Did you watch the Batman trailer? Yeah. Oh man, that was dope. Uh, was <laughs> I'm gonna say about dope. it. Uh, the reason I think uh, my theory is the reason they didn't show Alfred is because it's Andy Serkis mocapping uh, as Alfred, so they haven't done the special <laughs> effects for Alfred yet. I was just having this conversation the other day, like when I first saw him, like in his first non mocap role. I'm just like, the fuck's he been doing? It's <laughs> great. He shows up in the Prestige. I was just like, what? Yeah, that's Gollum. He's so charismatic. He's great. Oh, don't hide it behind ping pong balls. <laughs> Oh, shit, I forgot where I was going with that. Batman. Uh, it's, it, this whole this podcast, every time it comes back to Batman. <laughs> it's true. Well, Fast and Furious is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, that new Batmobile is basically like a fucking just American muscle car. Basically. Looks dope. Yeah. Oh, this is what I was going with this. I think the movie got a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes because of the CG in the tunnels. Man, fuck that. It's fine. How is she going to do that? I was I don't know. I've been doing a lot of visual effects stuff lately and watching <laughs> watching the CG in those tunnels, I was like, ooh man, this is not good CG. The cars look fine, it's just the tunnels themselves. 
For $85 million in 2009, I think they did fine. You know what? I didn't think about that. But, you know, I'm, th- I'm also th- now thinking about the uh, the bad CGI in Escape from L.A. Whew. <laughs> but that was 1996. And it looked the same as this movie. And that's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's pr- but bad CGI is rough. Yeah. But I feel like this is, I don't know. I feel like I was like wrapped up enough in like the action that was happening and and the characters that like I, I just I may have noticed it. I was just like okay, that's not the best. But I, I think it I mainly me enough. I think I mainly noticed it because the first uh, the first go through the tunnel mm-hmm. was like I don't know. It wasn't that eventful to me just because like yeah, they're gonna get through. Like how are they not gonna get through? Yeah. And but that but that second that fucking finale car chase of that tunnels with Dom, oh, yeah. Dom f- pulled off the most badass move in that scene, in which he fucking kicks the door open, jumps from car to car, knocks that dude out of his car, and then he oh fuck he just and then like seals off the tunnel, killing everybody. I assume. Yeah. God, that shit was that, awesome. That move. The move where like the car like hit the ramp and like T-boned that other car. Yes. Was great. Uh and then the way fucking Dom just uh murdered Phoenix with a, an assisted murder from Brian. Uh, Brian yeah. holding holding Phoenix's foot. <laughs> a move that Dom did that I thought was very unnecessary, but he probably did it for for time was that he uh, instead of rolling down his window, he Punched out with his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> do what you got to do, man. I, I, I think he was like, he was like, either I could crank this because it, you know it's a crank. It's not. It's not an oh, auto yeah. window. He's like, I either crank this. It was a split second decision, and he went with the elbow because we've already established that bullets just bounce off him. I think he. <laughs> Realize, like, oh, I will be totaling this car later, so this does not matter. Yeah, but that was that's, but yeah, shooting the front tire of that car and having it flip that was a pretty dope stunt. Yeah, these movies they rely a lot on CGI when it comes to the races and whatnot, but when they do practical effects, they always look amazing. Yes, which is why I think this movie that was like one of my gripes with the movies was, uh. The why the reason why I stopped like one of the reasons I stopped watching them before I came back for I think Fast Five was the when I you know I heard they were getting good again. It's just that the CG all the CG stunts and stuff like that I don't go for that kind of stuff. Like whenever you do the physical stuff because it just looks better and it looks more badass and it makes the people look better who are doing these you know like these characters that are doing these stunts. That's my two cents. Oh, that's fair. You know, I, I, you know, I've just always been in it for the family, you know. I'm a stunt guy. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I'm adamant that there should be a stunts category at the Academy Awards. Well, yeah. You're not going to find any argument here. Yeah. Fucking. I love stunts so much. Love them. Um, I also appreciated uh, when they were in the impound lot and... Uh, they needed another car after parking the Hummer. Oh, yeah. Uh, they went with a Subaru Impreza. Um, hopefully, the forethought there was knowing they'd have to be back in the desert driving. And uh, Subarus are great rally cars, man. 
just like drifting around in the dirt in a in a Subaru is you know that was that was one of my favorite things to do in uh, Gran Turismo. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that uh. That whole scene, yeah, it's like, now you owe me a 10-second car. <laughs> fucking, that was a great joke, like, cutting to him, yeah. like, breaking the windshield. Also, just drink every time Dom breaks a window with his elbow. We know twice for sure. At least, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this, I mean, why is this movie 28% on Rotten Tomatoes? I'll, uh, I will lament this for the rest of my days. The, uh... Something. All right. First of all, Gal Gadot in this movie, very, very yeah. good. This is like her. This is her first proper movie. Yeah. And uh, something I love about her character is that she, boom, immediately a good guy. <laughs> as soon as like shit goes down with Campos and whatnot. Look, it's the rule, man. If <laughs> if someone saves your life, you have to defect to their side. Yeah. What if what if the tenth fast film is somebody who's somebody saves everybody's life except for Dom, and then they <laughs> the villain uses Dom's crew against him? Man, uh, every time that that Giselle was hitting on Dom, uh, one, it's incredibly horny, uh, and two. You just feel bad for for Han a little bit. Yeah. Just like, oh man, but you're gonna. You don't know. You don't. Know, you don't know Han yet. But oh boy, this is. I think, but I think this is a nice little secret that Dom and Giselle are just gonna have to keep forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, what if there's a scene in which she sees Han, realizes how pretty he is. Yeah. And then there's a scene in which she's like, hey, Dom, um, I don't want to break your feelings, but he's very pretty. And I'm I'm sorry I was ever – delete my number out of your phone. That's all i got to say. I mean, <laughs> I feel bad now. I, feel, I don't feel bad. I feel bad for you because you are not as pretty as this man. Yeah, he's pretty and you're, well, craggly. <laughs> Listen, I, I, don't, I try to go down to Craggle Rock, okay? I'm, I'm trying to get up on Han. Uh a line that really stuck out to me uh, in this movie is the FBI. I don't know if he's the deputy director or what. He just goes, Mexico is out of our jurisdiction. Like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, then there's the line uh, later uh, for the classic pre-heist uh, let's bond scene and where uh, Brian and Dom, you know, are, are, are chatting. Uh-huh. And... Well, they get there, and, he's, and Brian's just this. Uh, this is where our jurisdiction ends, and Dom, and it's where mine begins. That was a great. That was a great. I love that. That's you write that, and then you you take a break. You have a beer. You earned it. Yeah. Um, I know. I think I don't know. At the beginning of this episode, I said that Mia has two lines of dialogue that fucks up the 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 chronological the 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 time frame of this film. So we talked about the five-year thing. She says to Dom, how do you say goodbye to your only brother? Because we find out in F9, he's not her only brother. Unless, of course, half-siblings. Fuck. (laughs) Hold on, I just got to go back to quotes real quick. Fucking, you're, you're right. Hold on. Oh my god! Because I mean, uh, 
I feel like it could be that, like, maybe, you know, John Cena and Mia don't have the same, you know. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, the response to that is you don't. So maybe Mia forgot that she had another <laughs> brother. She you has don't, a dummy. Uh, you have another brother. She has a jewel heist, like a, a brother somewhere else doing jewel heists, and, you know, nobody can see him. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I can't wait for this goddamn Toretto family tree to be sorted out because this is just maddening at this point. I feel like I feel like it might be a half sibling situation in which yeah, that's, that's the I, only way in which you can solve it is that Mia and Jacob aren't related. Now, that has to happen. Otherwise, you're going to have so many annoying Internet people like us. But we're not going to be tweeting about it. We're just going to be talking about it on our podcast. God, I don't know. I just, I I hate having the brain I have because I find, like, I've been watching King of the Hill lately, and Uh there's an episode in which Peggy says, I haven't seen my, it's a season nine opener in which Peggy's mom calls her. And then Peggy said, that's the first time I've talked to my mom in 20 years. I want to be like, nuh-uh, season two, episode such and such, you talked to your mom on the phone because you were going to there for Thanksgiving. Continuity I'm matters. A screenshot of this quote from IMDb, and I will be posting this on our Instagram, quarter mile at a time pod. There you go. I gave Rich the keys to the Instagram since I am off social media for the time, which I resent because I already manage <laughs> so many social media accounts. So thanks for the work, asshole. I'll tell you this, dude. My uh, my mental health has been a lot better since I've been off social media. Good for you. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of some other shits. Okay, so why is this a thing in movies in which when you go south of the border, south of the U.S. border, I should say, the cinematography gets a, a tint of yellow or orange. What are you trying to say? I'm saying is that the cinematography going from California to Mexico changed. <laughs> it was like it's a I don't know if it's the if it's like a man of fire effect because Tony Scott, of course, later in his life was getting very experimental with his films. Yes. So, so I don't know if people saw Man on Fire and like the cool shit that Tony Scott did, and we're just like, yeah, we're just gonna replicate Tony Scott's movies every time we go. <laughs> To like South America or Mexico or whatever. When did Man on Fire come out? 2006? Let's see. No. 2004. Okay. Dude, Tony Scott made some dope movies towards the end of his he life. Did. Do you listen to the Rewatchables? No. Um, they had Tarantino on for a couple episodes, and one of the movies he wanted to watch was Unstoppable. That's and a dope movie. It's a dope movie. And it's dope to listen to Tarantino talk specifically about that movie. See if you can find it. But after uh, the episode came out, like in 2012, when Tony Scott died, but it's uh, I don't know what podcast it is, but uh, it's I think it's a screenwriting podcast. And the night that night, uh, the host of this podcast got Richard Kelly, who, of course, wrote and directed Donnie Darko, but also wrote Domino, which was directed by Tony Scott. 
mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino, who wrote True Romance, they 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 had the three of them talked about Tony Scott's career. One of the best podcast episodes I've ever heard. Like you know, especially if you're a filmmaker, just it's yeah. it's phenomenal how great it is because like it's just them remembering how great Tony Scott is, and it's it's fucking Quentin Tarantino, Richard Kelly, like you know, screenwriters for you know movies he directed. So check that out. God, I need to find that. I may add an addendum to the end of this episode telling you what that episode is because this is that good. <laughs> I haven't listened to it since 2012. Hello, listener. This is Nick Lathan interrupting himself to let you know that podcast was the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. The episode title was Writing for Tony Scott with Quentin Tarantino and Richard Kelly. And you can find a link to it in the episode description on whatever you're listening to this to. All right? Cool. Now back to me talking about something that cracked me up. Something that cracked me up, getting back to the movie, was when Brock is in the church and his henchman keeps checking his watch. It's like, yeah, Damn. <laughs> like, boss is taking a long ass time to pray. He usually don't pray this long. Big prayers today. <laughs> uh, so we haven't talked about the scene. Well, the scene was never really a scene. It was more of a flashback. But we, we haven't really talked about Letty's, quote-unquote, death. Yes. Um, which, but I remember at the time, like, being pretty shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Because if they were going to, like, be rejuvenating the franchise as they were, like, she's, she's, uh, she's, she's part of the family. She's the family. Well, and and there was no way of knowing, and we didn't know until the end of the next movie that it was that it wasn't actually true. Spoiler alert! Spoiler! Uh, spoiler! Whatever. We got. We got. She's a, everyone. If you've seen trailers, yeah, it's true. It. Spoiler but, for a almost ten year old movie. Yeah, it was uh, over ten year old. Oh yeah, that movie. Um, it was, it was, it was so damn shocking. Yeah. I mean, from a screenwriting standpoint, that is like the best reason for Dom to come back. Yeah. And it like the motivation for her getting involved with the, the cartel, like made sense as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, also they do it. Very well, because at first, like, they just say it. And so she's like, they're not going to fucking kill Letty off screen. Yeah. This, there's no way this is true. And then, you know, for all intents and purposes at the time, like, they give you the... And and to be perfectly honest, I completely forget what the uh, justification was for her not actually being murdered. Yeah, I... It's probably a Lazarus pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's also a fucking crazy thing about Han coming back because they've they've literally already done this. Yeah, that's the thing. They um, that's that got me thinking. Like the screenplay for this movie is good, the directing is good. It's just like Justin Lin and Chris Morgan are just like, yeah. It's like sorry about Tokyo Drift. They did their best with Tokyo Drift. That's what Tokyo I will say. Tokyo Drift, more like God it. God damn it. 
Tokyo Drift, the main problem is the main character. That's what I'm going to say. It's a, it's a decent movie, but it's just not good. But I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's definitely not the worst in the franchise. Uh, excuse me. I take that back. It's the worst in the franchise. I was thinking this is not the worst in the franchise. Correct. Yeah, this movie's great. So Fast and Furious. Uh, what's that? I was saying Fast and Furious is great. Uh, so of the four Fast and Furious films that we've watched so far, rank them. Should we save rankings for the end of the season? I want to go. I want to rank as we go. Um. And we've got enough under our belts now to where, like, we've we've gotten to uh, Mount Rushmore status. All right. Uh, or at least as far as we have enough to make up a Mount Rushmore. So. Okay. Because uh, uh, I'll tell you right now, my rankings are going to change wildly from episode to episode. Uh, I already know what m- my number one f- till the day I die is going to be. Which movie is going to be. And by the be. way, I mean, rank the movies that we've seen so far. Oh, I know. But, okay. uh, so number one's the first one. Okay. Gotta be. Too, too Fast, Too Furious, and Fast and Furious, that is a mutated head. If it's Mount Rushmore, they're the same because they're on the same level in my... They're two... Choose. Compl- Make a choice. They're two different movies. That's the thing. They're so different, but like I appreciate... Okay, Too Fast, Too Furious is a bad Bond movie. And then Fast and Furious is like... I'm. I come at this from like the James Bond perspective. Too Fast, Too Furious is like the goofy ass Roger Moore movie. Like you, you gotta love it. How can you not love it? It's goofy. It knows it's goofy. And then you got like a kind of a serious one like this one. This is like a Timothy Dalton movie. And then Tokyo Drift is last. Yeah. Okay. Mine <laughs> will be Tokyo Drift last. I'm going Letterman style here. Tokyo Drift last. Uh, too fast, too furious in the three spot. It's a great spiritual prequel to all about the Benjamins. In <laughs> uh, my number two spot is the fast and the furious. Really? Yes. Because there's still like, there's still huge swaths of that movie where like the acting isn't good. The CGI is, is even worse. Um, Think about the budget, Rich. It was only thirty no, something million. I know what I'm saying. Like it's still better in Fast and Furious. Mostly, it's like the the composition and the screenplay and 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 honestly, the acting plays such a big role in it for me. Like everyone's so much better. Props to Paul Walker for like how good he got. Okay. Uh, like uh, Michelle Rodriguez is, is so much. In, better in that movie the, all the principal all the principals are so much better in that movie it's great okay now that i've heard your thing i'm, I'm gonna re- regroup mine here's my actual ranking are you ready yeah i'm gonna do it letterman style too last place tokyo drift <laughs> tokyo adrift <laughs> it's always gonna be tokyo adrift tokyo um, spin drift number three the fast and the furious that's right and then, of course, Too Fast, Too Furious, and then wow. Fast and Furious. That was just your number one. I know, but <laughs> oh you got God. me thinking. <laughs> you got me thinking. I was like, you actually got me thinking, like, yeah, this movie's not as good as the original movie. And I was thinking about the original movie, and I think what it is is just the nostalgia. Like, don't get me wrong. The Fast and the Furious, still a 10-second car. Yeah. But 
like the Fast and Furious. <laughs> like, yes, obviously the Fast and Furious walks so Fast and Furious can run, and and that the, I I honestly do have a hard time like liking things that are continuations of an original thing more than the original thing. Like recently, I just watched. Uh, uh, Last uh, Avatar, Last Airbender, and uh, Legend of Korra, <clears throat> and I enjoyed Legend of Korra more. But I struggled with that because you wouldn't have anything in there if you didn't have Avatar, which was also such great storytelling. I mean, that's like me. Like I love Friday the Thirteenth Part Six so much more than the original Friday the Thirteenth. I think that's a one to one comparison. It is, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's just, you know, usually shit gets worse with it, like as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which is like not the case in in this franchise. It's like so. this franchise and Mission Impossible. They're like two. I mean, those two things were born out of fads. Like Mission yeah. Impossible was born out of the turning rerun TV shows you know, syndicated TV shows into a movie. Cause you had like Brady bunch and like what other mm-hmm. fucking movie came out in the nineties that was based on a show from the sixties. A ton. And then like mission Adam's possible. Family. Yeah. Adam's family, like both movies are dope, but yeah, mission possible was born out of that. And then like somehow like the sixth movie is the best one out of that franchise, in my opinion. Yeah. And like, same with this franchise. Like the back half are the be- like the better movies. Well, I think also something that is a testament to that is if you can actually keep the consistency of like a same like either like creative group and or like actual like crew, then like just with anything, the more you do it, the better you're gonna get. You know, like like we say we're you know usually the more sequels or whatever there are like the worse it is and that's usually because like just it's a re- fucking revolving door yeah of either creative or you know or anything you know like talent all that stuff but yeah i think i think that's you know that's that's kind of that plays a factor in it you know which you bring that up now because like of course we've had uh i hate to forget his name neil he's the producer of these films he's neil been Moritz? the huh Neil Moritz. Yeah, he's been the producer like of all these films, and then we're on we're on, we're in the middle of a string right now of, you know, directed by Justin Lin, written by Chris Morgan, but yeah. I get I get, I mean you know of course a writer is who comes up with this shit, you know, put it on paper or whatever so you can make it, but like Chris Morgan is not has di- didn't write F nine. So I'm kind of concerned about that. Yeah. But we I have mean, Justin Lin as a director for that one, so going back that that and going back to just kind of all the stuff that I was talking about with Vin and his, you know, like attachment to all of these characters in this family. Also in that in that featurette, like he was talking him and him and Justin Lin were talking about how like just during shooting, they would like kind of go back and forth with like ideas and stuff like that. And just like adding stuff, you know, on, on set and, and, and then just kind of collaborating in that kind of way. And yeah. So hopefully like that, that, that aspect of it is still there. Like you have enough people that have been working on this for so long that they know 
in their bones, like what what makes this all work. Yeah. So, uh, so Nick, was this was this movie fast or was this movie furious? Um, this movie was fast. Interesting. I feel like this movie was more furious. Fast. fast. I say fast in the fact that this movie was a breeze to get through. That's what okay. I mean by fast. It's very, it was, it's very furious. An hour forty seven minutes, huh? Which was nice. It was an hour forty seven, which was very nice. Yeah, I mean, and this movie was very furious. I should say a lot of fury coming from Dom and Phoenix. Yes, but that's, f- but yeah, that's where I say this was a furious movie because Dom's entire motivation was was vengeance fueled. Yeah, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that that would die. To quote Metallica. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me da ba da ba da. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that uh, reminds me. Have you ever watched? Uh, so I, I, I take it you're aware that uh, the band that does Triple H's entrance songs for like the last 20 years has been uh, Motorhead, mm-hmm. right? Uh, have you ever watched them doing Triple H's entrance live at WrestleMania 17? No. Uh, it was so clear. That they had only ever performed the song once to record it, uh, because Lemmy straight up just repeats the same line over and over again. Is that the one that's like evolution is a mystery? Well, no, that's the the song that they did for Triple H's stable evolution. With that's right, Batista and Randy Orton and Ric Flair. Uh, this was uh, uh, his second solo theme song. Called the game, and so it's just yeah, lemon. yeah. It's, just, it's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game if you want to play it and the game then we want to play it. Oh, love Lemmy, rest in peace, rest in power. Oh, my goodness, um, was this movie a ten-second car or a ten-minute car? I think I know your answer. Um, I'm gonna say it's uh. I'm gonna pull a really weird thing and say this is a this is two ten second cars, meaning it's double the horsepower. Ooh. Yeah, this is easily a, a ten second car. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. So fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> this movie fuck gets you every critic that gave this a negative review. Let's let's or call them, a lukewarm review. Let's call them up by name. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> reenact the end of Jane Silent. <laughs> How many people want to kick some ass? Uh, Play the game. Oh, uh, fuck. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yes, let's get out of here. No, I was going to say get out of here ad that popped up. I just want to look at some of these reviews. I'm sorry. 29%. Audience score, 67%. All right, audience, you're stupid yeah. as well. Well, better. It's better. Ride or die, remember? Er, not really, no. More like yawn and forget. Fuck you. Uh, sorry. I really hate the ones that try and be too fucking clever for their own good. Oh, here we go. The tagline for this film is new model, original parts. It should be, are you dumb enough to pay for the same film twice? What are you talking about? This is the different plot. What? A very different plot. These Unless pe- they're referring to Too Fast and Furious, which even then there's no revenge aspect to it. Yeah. Anyway, all right, I'm done. (laughs) 
What do you want to quote? What quote do you want to? Oh yeah, follow us on social media. I'm at Nick Lathan on everything yep. and Letterboxd, uh, Instagram, Twitter. I don't, I don't know what else. I found out recently uh, that I've cornered the market on Nick Lathan on everything. That's that's a good feeling. Yeah. Whenever you do that, <laughs> uh, I'm at Rich Cammy on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow my Instagram for every day. Uh, I go live on Instagram uh, with the Whack Pack, where Rip rips open another pack of trading cards every single day. Um, and yeah, I'll have guests sometimes, and it's, and it's a fun, it's a it's a nice little fun time to to do that in the afternoon or whenever you want to watch it. I pop them on IGTV after the fact as well. Um, and yeah, just uh, arcadeaudio.net for all the other shows that we got going on in the network. And then, of course, patreon.com slash arcadeaudio, where you can listen to not just every other piece of bonus content that any show on Arcade Audio has ever produced, uh, but more specifically, our bonus series on the Netflix original animated series, Spy Racers, which follows Dominic Toretto's young cousin, Tony Toretto. Oh boy. Um, and you know, I'd say we're uh, we're you know we're two for three right now. I think uh, at this point, next week is going to be the th- uh, fourth episode that we've done. Yeah. And last week was our third. That's how math works. That's how time mm. works. That's how numbers uh, yeah, go. I think it's more time than math. Do what now? Nothing. Oh boy. So uh, yeah, join us for that. And then next, you know, in two weeks, we're coming back in the free feed with Fast Five. Which, you know what that time it is, it's Rock O'Clock. <laughs> Why have I never heard Rock O'Clock before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm excited a lot whenever Dwayne Johnson's on the screen, because that's what time oh. it is, is Rock O'Clock. And we get introduced to some other very important characters as well. But mainly Hobbs. Sure. Don't say sure about Hobbs. I'm offended. All right, I'm going to go look at a picture of Han. Um, <laughs> the man's so pretty. Take us out with a quote, Rich. <laughs> Sorry, car. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.